It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match! Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket in association with LV Insurance, who of course have been sponsoring both the Test Series and the County Championship all year. And well, look outside, um, it's wet, it's cold, it's windy, it looks horrible. It looks like the end of the cricket season and it nearly is the end of the cricket season with the Bob Willis Trophy final just about to, to conclude. Looks like Warwickshire are going to win that one, which will be appropriate for Bob Willis, uh, sitting above, looking down on his old team. And, well, actually, I've missed a few things because I've been on holiday in Greece for a week. Uh, not that far from cricket, because I've been part, partly in Corfu, where, Simon, did you know this? Corfu had 12 cricket grounds. Uh, it was sort of part of the British Empire uh, at some point, till about the 1860s. A lot of cricket is played in Corfu. Uh, and uh, I saw a little bit going on, although that wasn't the purpose of my visit at all. But I have missed quite a lot of other stuff going on in the cricket world, haven't I? What's top of your list? Well, n- no surprise you go away and, and miss all the big stories, uh, yours. But no, it has been a very newsy sort of week, 10 days or so. Uh, I mean, all sorts of things have been going on. Of course, Warwickshire winning the county championship, uh, Australia's women losing their unbeaten one-day international uh, record, England's women beating New Zealand's women, the IPL uh, going on. And we'll talk about the Ashwin Morgan uh, confrontation, ruck, whatever controversy, if you like, a little bit later. England pulling out their tour of, of Pakistan, New Zealand pulling out their tour of Pakistan, and the continued uncertainty over the ashes. Uh, do you know, when I when I look outside and you see the, the trees being buffeted and the grey skies, and it is a bit chilly, and I was out in my shorts today, and it, it, yeah, it actually felt well, autumnal. Out in your shorts, well, I know, you? but it felt, it felt a bit, it did feel autumnal out there for the for the first time. So it is quite appropriate. Yeah, if only we had Corfu weather, really, mm. for most oh. of the summer, so we could play our cricket season. How did cricket ever start 
in this country. It does make you wonder sometimes, doesn't it? And, mm. and, and certainly, you know, for the elongated season we have now, although, you know, September has held up pretty well. It's not been a bad month uh, for weather and, you know, lot, lots of cricket has been played. And uh, con- well, con- we should say congratulations to Warwickshire for winning the championship and, uh, you know, on the verge of the double as we speak, they're closing in on, on victory at Lords. Now, you've been away uh, in mm. the sunshine and you're heading off to the sunshine again at the weekend for an interesting cricket event. You, perhaps you, you should tell us about it. Well, yeah. So I'm going to ostensibly the IPL, but uh, more pertinently, I'm going to Dubai Expo, uh, which is a, a big you know, conference uh, going on in Dubai for about six months, I think. And it's been delayed by a year, obviously because of COVID. Uh, and uh, in that expo uh, expedition, expedition exhibition, um, I'm doing the launch of a new platform, which is called Next Innings Innovation in Cricket. Uh, it's on the back of the book I did last year with Manoj Badali called A New Innings about the innovations in cricket, uh, particularly looking at the IPL and the success of that and the success of T20. And now we're building a platform containing videos, podcasts and written content uh, aimed at helping people working in professional cricket, both players and coaches, and more specifically, uh, employees, marketers, marketeers, people in the digital space, uh, all the people trying to help professional cricket be sustainable, really. So working in the business of cricket, uh, that platform will will launch next week. And we're starting out with uh, an event at the, the one of the big hotels in Dubai, with Andrew Strauss as the main guest and, and, and Manoj Badali and I. And I've actually already recorded some material for this platform, which includes an interview with the famous Billy Bean, uh, who, of course, was the subject of the book I've got in front of me here, Moneyball, Michael Lewis's Moneyball, which also was made into a big movie. How about a character from sport who was played by Brad Pitt in the movie? I mean, that would be every man's dream, to have Brad Pitt pay, play your, your character in the story of your life. Mm. Anyway, Billy Bean, very interesting character, um, was the sort of pioneer of data analytics in sport. And he was accompanied in my interview by by Nathan Lehman, of course, who is the England cricket analyst and very much a mathematician. So we explored, you know, the use of data, the in- increasing use of data in, in cricket. And that uh, interview will Will come up on this podcast next week after this uh, after this launch and uh, you know give, give us a taste of well give us a taster of, well, the, of some the, of the things they talked is, about. i suppose is that is that maths is becoming much more or even more uh prevalent in in cricket and in planning both a team and various strategies within a match, particularly T20. T20 is almost the perfect extension of mathematical permutations. And Billy Bean himself, uh, despite his main role as the general manager of Oakland Athletics in baseball, is becoming increasingly interested in cricket uh, as a a sport which, which relies on data and statistics and is using more and more of those in picking a team and in what both he and Nathan Lehman call um, democratising cricket selection. So instead of relying on the the experts who've played the game for years and years, you're actually opening selection and uh, choice of players in particular scenarios to people who can crunch numbers effectively. And that, that is 
in a way, uh, uh, the future of the game could be that more and more experts are people who come from the gambling world, who understand probabilities. That's what Nathan Lehman works on when he does his Monte Carlo simulations, predicting what might happen in a match and therefore what team England should pick or what uh, they should do at the toss or which bowler should bowl at which time or whatever. Uh, he's using mathematical problem, uh, mathematical probabilities to, to to inform decision making. So that's what that's a the gist of what we talked about. Oh, do you think down the road we're going to get to get to a situation in short form cricket, white ball cricket, T10 or T20 or or the hundred, where you know almost every ball that's bowled it's sort of mathematically accept, uh, assessed. I don't mean mm. after it's happened. I mean before it's oh. happened. You know, yeah. a, situ- a situation where you know almost the bowler's walking back looks up or looks to the you know looks to the perimeter and there's someone indicating sort of tic tac you know you've got to you've got to bowl this ball now to this player um, i mean i don't know i don't know where's it yeah. where's it going to end up or or is there still room for for you know i don't know spontaneity for feel for you know the the, the general quality of a cricketer the, the ability of one cricketer to to outwit another or is it, or is it going to be so uh, you know so pre-programmed that mm. it actually takes almost takes some of the joy out of the game possibly. well i think I that's a, that's a fair um criticism i mean i suppose we it's are criticism it's more an observation really. uh, yeah sure I, I i but it is a it's a sort of an oblique criticism because you're saying it takes the joy out of the game which i think it probably does and it's it's an interesting observation uh i suppose you know we are all humans we're playing the game as human beings so humans are not computers they're not um, automatons who can produce things at will there are going to be uh, you know um, variations on an attempt to bowl that particular ball or play that particular shot and and also the more data there is out there and the better equipped people are to to uh, assess that data the more you in a way level up the playing fields everybody's got those uh, you know, uh, algorithms and various sort of formulas that will work out what's the best person to to be involved in that scenario. Therefore, it will be down to human elements which turn the game in your team's favour rather than the statistics because everybody's got the statistics already. Have, have they not got them already, though? I mean, there's there's so much data analysis now. What's the next level of data? Well, I, data I think I'll, I'll let Billy Bean explain that uh, mm. next week, but... Uh, essentially, he says that all the baseball stadia have been equipped with, um, you know, data uh, storage systems and and all the kind of different ways of measuring stuff for for many many years, and that's all shared. All that information is shared because it's it's done stadia wide, and there's a collaboration between all the teams. But in cricket, that's not the case. Stadia are not all equipped with Hawkeye, for instance. And it's only been in existence for you know a few like fifteen years, so it doesn't go back as long, and there isn't that historical element to it. Um, so cricket is catching up, right? So we can really hawkeye the hell out of the game. Basically, we haven't we haven't done that yet. No, not quite. I mean, we're getting there, closer, <laughs> yeah. but uh, but still a long way to go, I'd say. I wonder where Billy Bean stands on laws versus spirit of the game i mean that you know we i've been watching commentating on the ipl uh, this week and there was an incident in the game in which i was commentating on involving uh, delhi capitals and, and kkr the other day when uh, but basically a throw from tripati hit rishab pant went into space and ashwin was batting with pant and they they took an overthrow 
and not all hell let, was let loose, but there were, you know, there were a lot of words on the field and Owen Morgan uh, described, you know, said it was a disgrace and Ravi Chandran Ashwin has, you know, responded to that. I mean, I mean Ravi Chandran Ashwin, he's, he's very much a sort of follower of the laws of the game. And of course you are allowed to take an overthrow if the ball hits your body or bat and deflects into, into, no man's land or no woman's land or whatever you, you you want to call it. You're allowed to do that, but there's just like it's like an unwritten sort of rule of the game, isn't it? You don't take an overthrow. But of course, what's in the pot of that is what happened at Lords in the World Cup final, where Ben Stokes died to make his ground. The ball hit the bat and went to the boundary for four. Now, of course, in a situation like that, the umpire is obliged to signal four. So it's a it's and I think a lot of Indian supporters I've seen on social media who sort of supporting. Ashwin and said, you know, well, you know, it's all very well for Morgan to say, you know, win the World Cup, you know, with a, with a, a ball in play uh, from an overthrow hitting the bat. But then when Ashwin uh, does that, you know, he calls him a, a disgrace. I mean, I what my take on that would be that they're two very separate issues, because if the ball goes to four, it's just tough. It's one of those things. It's un, it's unlucky. Where, where, where do you where do you stand on whether a, a run should be taken when the ball does hit the batter? Or hit his body and goes, you know, goes into space. What, what do you think? Oh, about that? I, I mean, I'm old school and I don't like it. And I would say, uh, I'd, I'd say, don't run, or I wouldn't run. And Stokes, of course, in that incident in the World Cup final, was on his knees and just put his hands up in apology. And I'm sure that he would not have run if the ball hadn't gone to the boundary. Uh, partly because he was already sort of on the ground anyway. But I, d- I just think he would have thought, no, it was not fair. You know, my back got in the way, deflected the ball out of the fielder's ro- road, and um, I got lucky. So I, my, my feeling is I wouldn't run. I, I just think it's it's not cheating because, it's of course, it's in the, the laws, but it does seem against the, the spirit of the game. And What is the spirit of the game? Who decides that, though? Yeah, Who I mean, decides who, well, it? Well, it's, it's a moral thing, isn't it? It's, it's but, well, how you feel about it, really, yeah. how it feels inside. Do you feel morally okay about doing that? Do you feel morally okay about running somebody out of the boulders and mancadding them when you, you know, haven't given them a massive warning or something? I, 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 I wouldn't feel happy about it, and I suppose it's a, it's an individual thing. Um, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? We're trying to think of other sports that have similar kind of etiquette I, I the best example i i can come up with is playing in a, a golf tournament with a, a another friend and we were playing in pairs one ball per pair so foursomes and uh, the drive from my colleague went into the rough and i then had to dig it out of the rough and i took took a few practice swings uh well away from the ball but it was in quite long grass and one of the practice swings the wind off the, the club blew the grass slightly and the ball moved and my colleague, my friend, said, that counts as a shot. And I said, what do you mean? I haven't touched the ball. He said, yeah, but the ball moved in the course of you playing a practice swing. That should count as a shot. And I said, but, you know, the people we're playing against, miles over the other side, they've got no idea. And he said, I know, but, you know, that is technically a shot. It's now my go. <laughs> and I had to give in. Um, so hold on, hold on, yours, Hold on. So on the cricket field, you wouldn't, you yeah, wouldn't take yeah, a run, no, I'm, but on I'm, the golf course. I'm totally immoral. I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> well, 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 that, well, that, that the, the, the word hypocrite has been flying around in, in that controversy with involving Owen Morgan, I think sort of directed at Morgan from some by those, you know, who said he was happy to take the four in the World Cup final. But, you know, he, he called uh, Ravi Chandran Ashwin out the other day. You're right, they are, they are they two are very to- different two, events. They are totally different events. Yeah. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. And on Ashwin, he said, uh, well, uh, one, he's, he's been tweeting about it. He says, I turned to run the moment I saw the fielder throw and didn't know the ball had hit Rishabh. 
will I run if I see it? Of course I will. I'm allowed to. So he's basically saying, I didn't, I didn't actually know it had hit him, but you know, if it goes into, into a space, I will run. It's part of the laws. Um, am I a disgrace like Morgan said I was? Of course not. Did I fight? No, I stood up for myself. And that's what my <laughs> teachers and parents taught me to do. And please teach your children to stand up for themselves. In Morgan, in Morgan or South, in Tim South is playing as well, in Morgan or South's world of cricket, they can choose and stick to what they believe is right or wrong, but do not have the right to take a moral high ground and use the words that are derogatory. And Ravi Chandra is you know, standing up for himself. He says, in the laws, and it clearly is, and he, that's the way he plays the game, and that's what he, he was happy to do. But, I mean, I, you know, you know, there are lots of cricketers who say, you know, it's, it's just you do not do it. And I'm sure, actually, there are a lot of perhaps Indian players playing in the in the IPL who wouldn't have taken a run in that in that situation. But Ashwin uh, does. He thinks it's, it's perfectly acceptable. And, of course, Ashwin is not averse to running a, a batter out who's backing up too far at the non-strikers end as he's, is, he's coming into bowl, you know, the, 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 what is known as a man-cad, although, the, you know, there's a, there are those who don't like that term. They feel it, it sort of unfairly um, castigates a, a player who was actually in the right for doing it uh, way, way back when. Anyway, whatever whatever term you, you like to, to use, that that's what that's one of the terms that is used. But anyway, uh, my feeling about it is I don't, I, I don't personally see a huge amount uh, wrong with taking a run if the fielder releases it and puts it back into play and it happens to hit the batter then you know it's just one of those things but I, I probably wouldn't do it myself in the same way that I wouldn't probably wouldn't run someone back run out someone backing up when I was bowling certainly not without a warning if they kept on doing it and they were trying to you know take advantage and you and that's what part of the problem isn't it with the with the run out backing up is is batters do try to take an advantage by run by by moving too far down the pitch at the non-strikers end and the laws have sort of tightened up to prevent that happening you're the definition of someone who sits on the fence, aren't you? Well, no, not really. I'm just saying I, I, I don't really have a problem with it. But what I probably wouldn't want to do is, is sort of, is, is rile your opponent because that's actually well, that's one of the things it does, isn't it? It gets your opponent really wound up and makes them, makes them even more determined. Actually, you probably don't want to do that over something simple as one run, unless of course it's one run to win, and then it's fine. <laughs> oh yeah, of course it is. <laughs> actually, um, I mean, Ravi Ashwin, thinking about it, is probably the modern incarnation of W. G. Grace mm. because W. G. Grace was known as a cheat, but actually he wasn't really. I mean, he just knew the rules or the laws very, very meticulously and exploited them to the full. And, you know, when uh, the, he was bold and, uh, the, you know, the bail came off and he he was sort of stood there and sort of put the bail back on um, and said, strong wind today, isn't it? I mean, he sort of half believed that, I think. Uh, I mean, there were times when there was a famous uh, occasion when, um, in the Ashes, that famous 1882 test, actually, at the Oval, I think, when um, one of the Australian batsmen completed a two and then strayed out of his ground to do a little bit of gardening on the damp pitch and the throw from the boundary was a bit wayward and ended up with WG Grace at sort of, I don't know, short extra cover or something, and he just threw the ball at the stumps and ran the Australian out who was doing a bit of gardening and that, that decision stood. And it caused an absolute massive rumpus, which is still raging between Australia and England 140 years later. Well, I think that's but, a bit but he of was within he but... was within his he was yeah. within his rights in that particular case to to do what he did, and so is Ashwin. Yeah, and there have been other instances as well. I mean, going back into the 70s, with Tony Gregg running out, uh, Alvin Kalicharan right at the yep. end of a, of a Test match day, and there's the Ian Bell incident at Trent Bridge as well, when actually, you know, just before tea, and he was he was recalled. I mean, there, there is a, uh, I've, I've said this before, there's a big part of me, which is, 
you know, in those situations, stay in your ground because in your ground you are safe and you could then you don't have to play by anyone else's sort of moral compass. You know, you just look after yourself, protect yourself from whatever decision uh, they want to take. But I suppose the Ashwin one is a bit, you know, the overthrow one is, is a little bit different, really. I mean, what you could say, I suppose, is don't don't release the ball. Don't, you know, don't put the ball back into play by trying to run the player out. But then, you you know, you if you're looking for a run out, that's, you, that's totally understandable. It's part of the game. So, you know, it's well, it's it's really up to you to decide as a player, isn't it? And, and, and as, what, as a watcher, commentator, whatever, you have to decide what your what your feeling is about that that aspect of the game. But I mean, you know, there have been others, you know, the, it's, it's perfectly okay in cricket for uh you know a batter to nick it and stand there and you mm. know as if butter wouldn't you know melt in his or her mouth and it's it, it and it used to be perfectly acceptable and the, the law's been tightened now to sort of change direction to sort of get in the way of a throw you know when you were running to the danger end you know i was off i probably almost very often did that when i was playing club cricket you know you you you're conscious that if you can sort of get in the way of it way of the throw then you, you you might better save yourself but that law's been tightened up now so you know and i think that's a good thing actually that you know the, it's, it's given something much you know back to the fielding side i've got i've got no uh, qualms with that at all and that's actually the right the right way to go as far as the the laws are concerned Dulwich Cricket Club are the latest club making inroads into supporting women and girls cricket thanks to a grant from LV Insurance and the ECB's £1 million Fund for Runs Community Initiative. The Surrey-based club have been running cricket sessions on the Kingswood Estate in Dulwich and working in conjunction with the Estate Tenants Association to give kids an opportunity to play cricket in their local area. Sessions have been run by club coaches and included two female coaches taking place on the sport cages within the estate with softball sessions being planned for ages three to six and seven to 11, all aimed at giving newcomers a soft entry into the sport. Now, I mentioned the Ashes before, and the question is, what's going to happen? <laughs> uh, no one's any clearer, are they really? The only person who does know what's going to happen is Moen Ali. Uh, he knows that he's now playing, I think, in the T10 in Abu Dhabi and then coming home and that's it for, for, uh, for the time being because he's retired from Test cricket, which is a shame, actually. I think he, you know, John Embry said to me, he thinks Moen Ali is easily England's best off spinner, not of all time, but, but currently. And he is a good bowler and he's a wonderful cricketer to watch as well. But he's decided it's uh, too far, too, too much of a stretch to, to play Test cricket anymore, which is, which is a shame. Uh, but... You know, will the Ashes happen? Queensland have just um, cancelled a game because Tasmania were worried about COVID and getting home. I mean, it's all it's all yeah. a mess, isn't it? Well, yeah, there's, there's a lot of discussions going on behind the scenes, which we, you know, we, we're not uh, privy to. Just on Moen, yeah, I mean, I just celebrate his uh, Test career. I mean, he he played one of the you know, he played one of the best test innings I've seen in the, in the last 10 years at, at Headingley against Sri Lanka on the final day in 2014. A beautiful hundred to nearly save the game. Actually, Jimmy Anderson got out the other end. And when he was going, he was a fantastic player uh, to watch. And, you know, just shy of 200 test match wickets as well. You know, you know it's a test career uh, to celebrate. It pr he probably didn't, of late, in the last, you know, recent times, he didn't probably quite achieve what his talent suggested he he should achieve. We'll have to enjoy him in, in, in white ball cricket. But you know, it's been a huge pleasure to watch him. Uh, that glorious cover drive he plays, but perhaps we haven't seen quite enough of it in you know in in recent years. So there's that the, the ashes. I mean, and, and just go back to that 
the incident between uh, Queens and Tasmania. Basically, the, the Queensland players you know, saw the, the fact there were a few cases in the Brisbane area and said, hold on a second, if, they, if the state government in Queensland closes the, the border, we'll, be, you know, we'll have to quarantine for 14 days. So they wanted to get back to Tasmania. I mean, it does seem weird, isn't it? A few COVID cases, and it, it, it causes the game not to happen. Although an hour away, of course, uh, Australia's women are going ahead against uh, India's women in, in that uh, test match that's, that's, that's ongoing, but rain affected on, on the first day. And they had a, you know, an excellent one day, really good one day series, actually, with India losing 2-1, but should have won the second game. So, yeah, it, it, the problem, I think one of the problems in Australia, it seems from a distance, is that we think of it as one country, but actually you've got all the separate states and they've got different rules, regulations, you know, governing uh, what's going on in their states. And so it's very easy to close borders down it looks as if even if the ashes uh, do go ahead that there will be no test match in perth i mean that looks sort of no go and who will go uh, from england i mean it, 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 joe root saying the other day that you know he, he still hasn't heard all the you know the guarantees the arrangements that he would like to say yeah it's fine to go and and, and take my family and of course the other issue while you while you were away uh, yours it, it was very newsy while you were away in, in greece sunning yourself and we are us feeling all envious. Um, is the, is the consolation that the, the tour to Pakistan, which you know, did it didn't sit well with me that that, that it was four four days. Okay, it's about the men's tour because the women were going for a longer tour. The men's tour to me it was you know really symbolic. Uh, it was it was a real support for Pakistan cricket. And you think of how Pakistan cricket supported England last summer. They came and effectively they paid some of the England's players' wages by fulfilling the television contracts. It meant you know the players could get paid whatever, and you know for four days, surely their you know the, the England players could have made the sacrifice to to go to Pakistan. It was so important to Pakistan cricket, and that they, they, they didn't. And you know the ECB to me had been a bit mealy mouthed about it. You know it was it was about you know it was about COVID and. Mm. All, all those sort of situations and you know it's been difficult for the players and mental health and well-being and all that sort of stuff and you know and i, I you know i can understand that because it's not it's not been easy but you took you were talking about you were talking about four days mm. new zealand at least new zealand got there at least new zealand were ready to play and then whatever that security threat was we don't know we probably will never know and then and then they came home and then england sort of i don't know they seem to just use that as a as a excuse whatever and I don't think it sat very well and Pakistan, you know, uh, really, really upset about it. And, you know, what's going to happen in a year's time in England is supposed to be back there for a test series. I mean, it is feeble. Uh, it, it is feeble and it's a shame. And you can sort of hear the arguments. I think actually I would have been interested to know if some of the England players watching uh, an interview that I saw on BBC world actually uh, had the uh, BBC world service TV on in my hotel room in uh, in Paxos, um, just in a bit of downtime, and uh, must have replayed the interview with uh, Ian, Imran Khan and John Simpson about 10 times. So I was able to sort of absorb it fairly carefully. And, you know, Imran speaks very passionately about the future of Pakistan and the hardships that they've suffered. Uh, for instance, you know, 80,000 Pakistanis dying as a result of, of, of terrorist groups from outside the organisation and the uh, the, the fact that the Pakistan government sided with the US in the war against terrorism and that court cost Pakistan at least 80,000 lives. And, you know, they've tried to obviously clean their, their country up and they're doing the best. And, you know, cricket's come back to, to the country now. And it just seems 
it seemed right that England were doing their bit in return for Pakistan coming here last year. Um, and they've, they've reneged on that. And it is a shame. Yeah. Well, it, I, it, it's left a lot of people hurt, I, I think, and a, and, a, and a lot of people dismayed as well at, at, at England's uh, decision. I, you know, I reiterate, at least New Zealand went. Um, we don't know what that security issue was. And England, England not going. Uh, it does illustrate player power again, doesn't yeah, it? Which the Indians well, exercised to... very clearly uh, at Headingley. Uh, sorry, Old Trafford before that that final test, um, and uh, it's it's happened again. So well, yeah, it's. I mean, it seems to illustrate player power. Although you know, Ian Watmore, I mean, they, they initially they just issued a statement, you know, and and then said nothing for a, you know a, a week or so. Ian Watmore has been speaking the last couple of days, and so you know, it was the ECB that took the decision. Now they didn't sort of consult with all the the player player bodies. So mm. you know, uh, it it. it it, it, well, it, it, you know, you need the thing is the ECB know they need the players. I mean, there's there's always this in in any sport. There's always this, if you like, kind of conflict between administrators and players, where the administrators say, "Well, you know, without us, you wouldn't have any cricket," and um, the players saying, "Well, without us, you wouldn't have a game." So, uh, you know, both thinking the other one is uh, is less important, and in the end, the, the players are the power really. Because without them, you don't have a game. Yeah. Well, yeah, the world of cricket feels, um, you know, pretty uncertain at the moment. Although, you know, the IPL uh, is going on uh, after a fashion. It, it does miss the crowds. I mean, following it in the last you know week or so since it's it's resumed, it, it does miss the crowds. You know, mm. it's, it's what makes it, I think. And it, it does feel a little bit like fixture fulfilment in the UAE and you can understand it. There's so much money at stake. And I know people are quite cynical about that, but I mean, he's a massive part of the, of the world uh, cricket economy. And then the T20 world cup, uh, which is also going to be staged in the UAE. We're sort of building up uh, towards that all starts on the 17th of October, the match between Papua New Guinea and Oman. There's a qualifying tournament first before they get into the, the main competition, Scotland and Ireland are a part of that qualifying tournament, and England are sort of you know building towards that now. It's only a, a few weeks away, mm. and uh, all eyes will be will be on the UAE for that tournament. And of course, uh, how the pitches stand yeah. up to it after a, a fairly intense period of uh, playing on them for the IPL, how will the pitches be when uh, when the World T Twenty starts? Yeah. And the scores have been relatively low actually yeah. in the IPL, haven't they? Yeah, it's been quite hard work for the batters. Uh, I mean, they've only played a handful of games in Sharjah. I mean, last time uh, Sharjah was party time for the batters, but I mean, it's been some low scores in, in that venue and some, you know, some some really hard work for the for the batters in Abu Dhabi and and Dubai as well. And of course, they they're playing some of the games out of the um, out of those sort of venues to start with to, to help the, the the pitches recover, but. Uh, I don't know. I'm just wondering about England's chances. If, you know, if the pitches are very grabby, I mean, they, they generally like quite flat pitches, don't they? Sort of traditional T20 pitches. Do they have the the slow bowlers and the bowlers in general to to exploit uh, those conditions? Yeah. Noticeable that you know, Adi or Rashid, for example, played one game in the IPL. He went for 35, yeah. I think it was, three, yeah. or yeah. three overs, and then you know, he, hasn't he played back, since. Played since, yeah. So. Um, I mean, that's. I mean, England show a lot more faith in, in Adil Rashid than perhaps obviously than his IPL franchise is doing. I think they've got the right man on the spot anyway. Nathan Lehman, who's working with the KKR, uh, Kolkata Knight Riders, and alongside Owen Morgan, uh, so he'll have a very good sense mm. of the the best bowlers 
all those pitches. We'll preview the the, the World T20 in a couple of weeks, actually. Uh, now is perhaps not the time. No. What I would like to just finish up by talking about briefly is a, a big event in cricket that's happening at Lords, and I'm not talking about the Bob Willis Trophy final. I'm talking about the new president of the MCC, who will be sworn in on October the 1st, the first ever female president of the MCC, who, of course, is Claire Connor, the managing director of the England women's cricket, and uh, obviously a former player as well. And, you know, actually, I, I think it's a brilliant move. I mean, the club is, what, 235 years old, uh, so founded in 1787, never had a female president and never even had a female member until 1998. So it is quite a, a, a revolutionary transformation, um, having had uh, two years of Kumar Sangakkara as president before that, who was the first Asian president. So the club is really, the MCC is really trying to, to move ahead. And um, actually, I was on the committee until recently. Um, we had a departing dinner uh, as um, departing members of the committee, because you do three years and then you 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 have to have a, a stint off the committee. And um, at the party dinner, we discussed what the MCC is actually for. Um, and, you know, the, the verdict came out that, you know, A, to produce world-class cricket at a, a top-class venue, and also to further the game, to grow the game. And in that regard, a couple of little facts for you. The MCC this year played 468 outmatches uh, against clubs and schools, some in inner cities. That's 80 less than normal, but, you know, it's still a, a tremendous number. And also they run something called the MCC Foundation, which has over 60 hubs offering free coaching to state school kids age 11 to 15, that sort of age group. Uh, uh, and just trying to get more engagement in the game at that age group. And that is, interestingly, um, and not surprisingly, an area that uh, Claire would particularly like to focus on. So I asked her, I spoke to her the other day, actually, and I just asked her, you know, what were her ambitions as, as the MCC president? I think that the lovely thing about the role is, or what I've experienced so far, is that I've been very included Um maybe in part due to Kumar being overseas this year a lot and with COVID and everything, but I've been very included in some of the strategic conversations taking place, a lot of conversations about their EDI, you know, their equity, diversity and inclusion agenda, which they are very serious about as a club. Um, and also I've started working with um, the MCC Foundation as a trustee, which is the charitable arm of the, the club. And I am blown away by the kind of potential, I think. And I, I think one thing, if I was to say one thing that I'd really like to look back on and have tried to support or influence is to get the, is, is to try to bring the club and the MCC Foundation a little closer together. I think oh, for many reasons over recent years, they haven't been very hand in glove. And actually I think the work of the foundation, it's community work, it's work with girls, it's work with, refugees overseas it's it's led by an amazing woman called Dr Sarah Fain um, who used to be actually CEO of Afghan Connection um, for 20 years she's an amazing woman she's got an amazing vision and I think actually the foundation can do a lot for the MCC um, mm. so hopefully that's one area um, that I can play a bit of a part in really looking forward to seeing Jamie Cox in his new role he starts in uh, this week actually I think as the new assistant secretary for cricket um, and I think he's got some some quite inclusive 
um, ideas under, under uh, in his notepad. So yeah, just really looking forward to it. So the MCC Foundation is just a, a donation-only organisation uh, run by this woman, Sarah Fain, who um, Claire re re referred to there. Uh, you can make donations very easily by going to the lords.org website. And it is a fantastic organisation which is trying to grow the game at state school kind of level, um, trying to get more kids involved in playing and also actually uh, helping uh, the game grow beyond these shores too. But it is a very worthy um, body and one that's really worth, worth supporting. And one other thing the MCC is responsible for, course the, the laws of the game and one thing that happened another thing that happened really away that was, was new, newsworthy is that in the laws of the game batsman has been changed to batter which didn't go down uh, well with everybody but it is about inclusivity men and women girls and boys uh, play the game and we've had uh, discussion about that uh, earlier this season on this podcast where I made the decision that you know, I've, I've always used batsman in my commentary and I'm now moved to batter and I'm also talking about deep third and short third and that came as a result of a conversation. But you did say well, you did say no man's land earlier didn't you? Well, And exactly. then you corrected it to no woman's land. Well the point <laughs> is the point is these things are part of our language as we grow up they're part of our lexicon and it takes a while to uh, you know it takes a while to change and actually i don't get that worked up about it. if i do if i do occasionally say batsman now whatever or third man whatever i don't it doesn't bother me because i'm i'm sort of in the process of change um and uh, and there we go that's that's my plan uh, in the future not everyone agrees with it but okay i get the, i get the chance to, to to commentate as i want to well listen billy bean quite likes it anyway because batter in cricket is now the same as batter in, in baseball. So he hasn't got to change his, his language. Uh, and we'll be hearing, as I said, from him next week. I, I've got to go because I've, I've got to do my PCR test before my next overseas trip. So I'll speak to you next time from Dubai. How's that? Brilliant. Join the enjoy the sunshine. Bye for now, yours. Bye everyone else. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.